Thank you for downloading this podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. You join us as we journey through the book of James. If you find these podcasts helpful and would like to know more about us, please visit our website, citychurchleads.net. I'm going to read from uh, the passage that's in front of us today, which is the fourth chapter of James, and I'm reading from the NIV. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Right, James chapter 4. Looking at it in its entirety, I think it's probably the most action-packed part of the letter. Um, There are actually 11 instructions in there of things that we can do. Um, Some are general for all time, and some are specifically to address the, um, the things that James was talking about. So the, the things are, submit, resist the devil, come near to God, grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter into mourning, into, into your joy, you know, that one. <laughs> Humble yourself, do not slander each other, and last of all, listen. Basically, it's a manual on Christian living. Uh, And it's dealing in particular 
with our relationships within the body and how we present ourselves in our day-to-day -day work. James is concerned with the attitude that we do our things with. Are we competitive or are we cooperative? The former attitude, i.e. competitive, leads to ambition, compromise and deception. The latter to good relationships, truth and wholeness. In verse 3, James makes it clear that our motives determine God's response to our requests. And I'm going to quote out of the study that we were doing this from now. He returns to the point again that so often we don't take time to ask God for wisdom and adds a further dimension that even when we do, we don't receive because our motivation is for personal benefit, self-indulgence, and is from a position of selfish ambition. He brings us straight to the core issue, covetousness, the plague of the modern age and central focus of the marketing media. Current advertising slogans appeal to the most basic human instincts that says, I have the right to have and to enjoy the same as others. So what is covetousness? It's the unreasonable lust to acquire what we don't have but long to. The desire to obtain what we cannot rightfully have to satisfy some inner need. A spirit of discontent leading to compromise and self-deception in justifying its pursuits. Our original nature is to want everything we can possibly get in life, even at the expense of others. Our society is built in such a way as to entice people to extend themselves beyond what they can afford to obtain the things that we have been deceived into believing are necessities. The kingdom of God is built on the fact that God will supply all we need and has a desire to bless us above and beyond that, not for our personal comfort, but to bless those around us. The 11 actions that James advertises for a life that is godly and productive are verse 7, submitting to God. This is something we find difficult to do. Our natural tendency is to be independent. Um, in the Second World War, European nations were occupied by Nazi Germany. Most nations unsuccessfully resisted the Germans the German forces when they were being invaded. Um, Norway, however, took a different route. They saw the destruction and suffering of the struggles of those nations around them and surrendered to Germany without a shot being fired. This was submission. But it was a submission born out of fear for the suffering of the people of Norway and the safeguards their cultural heritage. They didn't want their buildings destroyed. We, however, do not have to submit out of fear. The alternative to our struggle is to come under the government of a God who loves us and will provide a hope and a future for us. Again in verse 7, to resist the devil. The enemy that will destroy us and whom we should fear in the, as, the way that Norway did is the devil. 
Giving in to selfish ambition and covetousness is the thing that will destroy our character and reputation. Money cannot buy you love, as the song goes. Neither can stuff buy you happiness. Selfish ambition can never be fulfilled because it will always demand something more. Verse 8, come near to God. The method of our submission to God and our resisting the devil is to come near to God. In his presence everything is everything we need to help us live a good life. And the devil is not going to stay near you if you are near God. We will still face temptation in God's presence because we are still alive in a fallen world. But the intensity of temptation will be less and the propensity of God's provision will be more. To those in the fellowship who were operating in the nature that James was denouncing, he gave seven instructions to lead them out of it. This is in verse 9. He tells them to grieve, to mourn, to wail, to turn their laughter into mourning and their joy to gloom. This is not a general description that all Christians should follow. It is, however, a remedy for self-deception and selfish ambition. James is advocating an emotional response to, our, to their situation. If a person is serious about changing from self, selfish ambition into selfless devotion, there needs to be a death to self. Right? They need to realize that the life they are leading is actually a walking death and grieve their situation. They should realize that their laughter and joy is shallow and impermanent and give it up. There needs to be a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, which is from 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Finally, we should humble ourselves before God. Again, well, we all should do that, but particularly if we're caught in some sin. Because what our possessions do not bring us is any value in His sight. And we should stop making judgment on one another's conduct. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. Um, and this is the Aaron Lord's sort of abbreviated version. Um, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. The final thing that we can do to embrace the life God wants us to lead is to listen. This is in verse 13. We need to make time to listen to God. This is the only way we can find his perfect will for our lives and live free from the sort of deception that James is talking about. The final paragraph of this chapter highlights the foolishness of planning outside the will of God for our lives. He chastises those who live this way for their pride and arrogance, which he teaches is the product of working out your life without consulting God. He encourages his readers to live a life of honesty and integrity. Honesty is a dealing in truth, and integrity is presenting the whole picture. 
rather than their practice of dishonesty and impurity. Dishonesty being evading the truth and impurity being you're leaving something out there. You're not giving your partner who you're talking to the full picture. He ends the chapter by asking what the characteristic of our life is in asking what is your life. In fleshly terms, we are a temporary mist which requires that we make the most of our time. Last Monday, we were with our youngest son, Christopher, and his girlfriend at their house. And just for a bit of entertainment, they were going through the YouTube stuff that they watch. Mm, very interesting things it was. But in amongst it all, there was a cultural message, which apparently is YOLO. It comes in gangster rap and stuff. But YOLO is, you only live once. But in all these songs, etc., in one way or another, this creed, if you like, was being used as permission to live for self. You've only got one shot at this life, so do what you want to do. God wants us to consider our lives as spiritual beings, not as fleshly ones. Our lives are therefore eternal. We may only live once, but we live forever. Yeah? And what I do today and the attitude I have today will determine my forever. So, Every decision we make and every plan that we make has an eternal consequence. And we should give that some thought when we consider our choices and our actions.